Welcome to Element, the student ministry of Third City Christian Church. To find out more, go to thirdcitychristian.org backslash students. I want to talk to you guys a little bit about Christmas. Ransom referred uh, a little bit to something I want to talk about. Everybody looks at Christmas in a different way. Some people look at it with joy. Some people look at it with pain. I want to talk to you guys a little bit about your opinions of some Christmas traditions. So, how many of you, uh, there's, there's two camps that you either open presents on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. If you're a Christmas Eve present opener, stand up. Those of you that open on Christmas Eve. If you're a Christmas Eve present opener, there we go. I need you guys to know, hey, you guys are wrong. Just kidding, just kidding. All right, sit down. Another one. How about, uh, okay, oh, I got to warn you guys, we're going to have a spoiler about Santa. If there's little kids in here uh, and parents are like, like there might, we might be talking about something about him that you might not want your kids knowing. Uh, let's see, Andrew Herkett, I'm sorry, dude. We might spoil your life tonight, bro. Uh, so when it, comes, when it comes to stockings, if you are a stocking family, stand up. How many of you have stockings? Okay. All right. All right. Sit down. I always, I always thought that that was kind of unique. You know, like how many, uh, actually I should have asked this way. How many of you guys have actual socks? Like not stockings, but socks that you use for stockings. I want you to stand up. Dude, because I was raised in a time where we had the socks that came up to here and they had the colored bands around the top. And I would always, we would fight for my dad's socks because my dad had, had large calves and so it meant you could get more candy and more peanuts down in that stocking. We would fight over dad's socks would disappear on Christmas Eve. We would look for the ones that were the biggest. All right, how about this one? Ooh, let's get to the food. Let's get to the food. Turkey or ham? Turkey or ham? So I'm going to I'm try to get the one that probably has the least. How many of you are Christmas ham people? Stand up. Christmas. That was most of you. Nice. I thought that would be a smaller number. All right, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. Okay. Uh, I'm, some of my kids might throw, my, my children might throw something at me when I ask this. Lights on your house or no lights on your house? If you are, if you are no lights on your house, I want you to stand up. No lights. So... To the displeasure of my children, there are lights on my railing because my wife loves lights. There are not lights on my house. So I'm somewhere in the middle. Yeah, here's the deal, here's the deal. Lights on the house, have you guys thought of the risk that parents put themselves at to put lights on their house for Christmas? It is like, I'm like, I'm like this when I would do it, like back here on the roof. And I just, for some reason, I'm one of those people that I feel like if I get close to the edge, I'm just going to jump. And we have a, like our house is, I'm not suicidal at all, it's just one of those things. All right. There's a holiday drink that you either love or you don't love. If you are an eggnog person, stand up. 
Yeah. All right, all right, sit down, sit down, sit down. All right, here's the last one. Last one. Hurricane, you might need a, I don't know if you want to hear this or not. Santa or no Santa? Some of you, some of you were raised in a household that, man, there was no Santa. How many of you, how many of you, that was you? We were a no Santa family. We have any no Santa families in here? Got a few. Own it. I'm all right with that. So this is, hey, this is something I've thought about. You shouldn't be ashamed because <laughs> I've wondered to the extent that parents go to convince their kids that Santa exists. I remember two stories growing up. When I was in Papillion, we, we lived on this little cul-de-sac and we had a chimney. And I remember we had a, what's it, the hearth is where you sit in front of the fire. My dad had gotten his old work boots and like putting like charcoal on the bottom and left like boot marks. And it just didn't dawn on me being like six years old that maybe dad used his boots there. I don't know. Maybe he didn't. Andrew, maybe Santa is real. But I will tell you to this day, my dad pulled one prank off that we couldn't figure out. There were like very few Christmases that there was like a beautiful heavy snow on Christmas. There was one time we looked out our front door and on the middle of the lawn, it looked like a sleigh had landed and taken off and there were no footprints. And I still don't know to this day and my dad just laughs at me when I ask. Now here's the deal, there were no reindeer tracks either which I'm going to bring that up this year, that there were no reindeer tracks. You know, but like I still can't figure that out, how dad did that, the extent that he would go to convince us of that. You know, you guys, when it comes to Christmas, Ransom was right. There's a lot of ways that people look at it. Some of you guys are like chomping at the bit for Christmas because Christmas is going to mean a gift that you want. It's going to mean seeing your cousins. It's going to mean time with family. It's going to mean staying up late playing Fortnite and Call of Duty. And it's going to mean, like, it's going to mean all of these things that just, that just bring you joy. But listen, I want you to hear me. What he said is true. For a lot of people, Christmas has a very different tone to it. For some people, Christmas is tied to a painful memory that they have to revisit every year when this holiday comes around. Some people go, that's the time of year that they left and I never saw them again. Or it's painful because they're walking up and down the school hallways and they're hearing people talk about the gifts that they're receiving and they know that they're not going to get anything for Christmas. And Christmas is more full of pain than this jubilant joy of what's coming. And some people, that Christmas time, it hits them the loss of a family member. That pain exists. And every year, like you guys will see it on Instagram. You might see it if some of you guys are like old enough young people that you're actually on Facebook. Some of you guys are. You'll see the, the, the memes and everything that is like, you know, Jesus is the reason for the season. I remember hearing this over and over again growing up. That phrase is not new. Jesus is the reason for the season. Jesus is the reason for the season. Uh, Parker can explain that to you. Or actually, Chris or Carolyn Lowry can explain, explain that phrase to you. Um, yeah, I heard Carolyn giggle. She got it. Good. Gotcha. Um, but you guys, we hear that phrase. Does that even make sense to you? Why? 
Why, why Jesus? Why was it necessary? And that's the part that, like, I felt a deep conviction that going into Christmas, we're in this series called Have a Merry Little Christmas uh, with M-E-S-S. And if you're coming on Sunday morning, you're catching Scott's preaching on that. We're going to preach all the way through December. You guys need to bring your families because this will be the last night of normal element. We'll have Festivus next week. But we want you to continue to worship through the month of December. And if this is the only place you get it on Wednesday night, you've got to be here with your families. This is a great time of year to convince mom and dad, hey, let's go to church. Because I want to talk to you this morning about the why of Jesus being the reason for the season. Because you'll see, you'll see mangers everywhere. You'll see nativity scenes. You'll hear people talking about Jesus, but why? And, and here's why, and I'm going to take a unique direction in explaining why to you. If you guys have your Bibles or your Bible apps, I want you to open them up to uh, John chapter 4. So if you've got your version app or if you've, got a, if you've got a Bible with you, I want you to open, or excuse me, John chapter 5. I'm going to take you to a unique situation in the Middle East when Jesus was alive and he was doing ministry and he was walking this earth, flesh and blood. This is after the first Christmas. He was walking, doing ministry, and it says in chapter 5, verse 1, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate, which is a location in old Jerusalem, there is a pool, which not like swimming pool, like you know it would be like a, a fresh water uh, a spring where, where natural heated water might come up and, and stir in a, in a pool of water. Uh, there was a pool, the uh, sheep gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, listen, here, a great number of disabled people used to, used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. And one who was there had been an invalid, which is a not-so-kind term for 38 years. It's, an, it's a term for they were helpless and couldn't move at all likely a, a quadriplegic, like they're completely at the mercy of the people around them. Now, here's what might happen. Someone might have been born that way. Uh, sometimes people are born with uh, conditions that keep them from being able to walk or use their arms, or something might have happened. They might have gotten to a work accident. They might have been working on the roof of a house. They may have fallen, become paralyzed. Whatever happened, this, this man, for 38 years was at the mercy of the people around him. He was at the mercy of whether or not his family would come and, and help him and bring him food and bathe him and change his, his clothes for him. Like think of all the things, the circumstances behind his lifestyle. What, what about when he had to go to the bathroom? Like think about that. Painful and sad. His circumstance was hard to to even grasp. Like, that would be a difficult life, right, nowadays? If you couldn't use your arms and legs, could you imagine 2,000 years ago being in that, that place where, like, you didn't have the, the, the technology of, of an electronic wheelchair to get you somewhere, escalators to get you up and down. Society didn't really care enough about you to, to make things convenient for you. Instead, they said, hey, here's a place. Go be here. Like, that's, that's what they did for you. 
That was his condition. Could you imagine anything more helpless? Could you imagine being in any more of a desperate circumstance than this man? And here's what happened. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him a ridiculous question. He said, do you want to get well? Now, I don't know if this guy didn't fully understand who was asking him this question, but here's his response. He said, sir, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. You see, there was like an like a old wives' tale that if, if this water, when the spring would jet up and it would stir the water, they believed that the first person in would get healed. But here was this man that couldn't move and no one would help him in and he would never be the first one in. He said, no one's here to help me into the pool. While I'm trying to get in, someone else always gets in before me. Then Jesus said to him, he said, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And it, said it, it says it once. The man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. After 38 years, he had no clue who was standing before him. The desperation that he was in, the help that he was in need of, was right before him. And he had no idea. You guys, we move to the Christmas story. One of the things that Pastor Scott is challenging us for the month of December is to read through the book of Luke uh, between now and Christmas Eve. And if, like he said on Sunday, if, if you haven't started yet, it's okay. You can get caught up one chapter a day. There's 24 chapters. You'll be done on Christmas Eve. You can come with your family and worship here on Christmas Eve. Uh, I challenge you to do that. But in chapter two, there's a recollection of Jesus' birth. And I want you to think about the circumstances surrounding Jesus' birth. He didn't come into a prominent household. Jesus was born the son of a carpenter. And even beyond that, he was born to a single mother. You see, Mary was a virgin when she became pregnant with Jesus because he is the son of God, not the son of, not the son of any human. Jesus is the son of God. So could you imagine the circumstance around this relationship? Mary has to explain to Joseph, hey, I need to tell you something. I'm pregnant. No, 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 don't worry. It's God's baby. I, I don't know about you guys, gentlemen. I don't know how that would go over in your mind. Would that be convincing enough for you? What Joseph planned to do is he goes, man, I love her. I'm going to divorce her quietly, and I'm going to leave her. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, no, here's the deal. What she said is true. You need to, this will be his name. He's going to be the savior of the world. Like he explains him, and Joseph stays beside her. So not exactly a normal circumstance around Jesus' birth, right? And then in addition to that, he was born into a, a time where the king of the area was killing the babies that were his age, and his parents basically existed on the run for a, number, for a set period of time. But here's why. Here is why 
Jesus was necessary. God looked at humanity. And he, what he saw from his vantage point was an invalid by the pool. And what I mean by that is as he looked at our condition, the sin condition of our hearts and our lives, and he saw us in the same manner that we would see a quadriplegic on the street that is unable to move. And he said, they are helpless. They are so desperately helpless, hopeless, unless I do something about this. And so students, the reason for Christmas, the reason that Jesus is the reason for the season is our desperation. Our desperate, hopeless, can't do anything without the presence of Jesus condition. That condition is the reason for the Christmas season. It is the reason that we celebrate. And I bring that up because you know what? That reason to celebrate doesn't require a meal. It does not require presence. It does not require your family to be whole and intact. Students, I want you to understand that it is in our desperation when God saw it that he looked and he said, I am sending my son to fix this. And that's the beautiful part of Christmas. You know, I think about how selfish my heart got growing up when it came to, to Christmas. I had friends that would find their presents ahead of time. They were naughty. And I would be jealous about what they were getting and what I didn't get. I would hear the stories up and down the, the sidewalks and, or the hallways, I mean, and I would see my friends walking up and down the hallways in the first generation Jordans and the, the fours, which were one of the best, if you guys follow that. If Rashawn was here, he might argue with me. But um, I was like, I was that selfish little kid. I never had someone just completely set, down, set me down and go, look, your desperation is why we're celebrating. That's why God sent his son. And so here's the deal. I think about that, that invalid by the pool. If he had been there since birth and had no, known no other life, he might be ignorant of his situation. He might not have the knowledge that he was in desperation. He just goes... This is what life is. I've never walked before. I don't know what it's like to walk. I don't know what it's like to live. This is just the way life is. And he may have never known any different. He may have gotten into an accident and he may have known previously what it was like to, to live with the whole body. And so he laid there being angry about his condition. But either way, equally as desperate students, your sin condition is the same. You may be fully aware that you are a sinful, selfish, self-serving person in need of Jesus. And if that is you, I challenge you to just wake up and walk into a relationship with Jesus and walk out of that sinful lifestyle. And some of you are in here going, Josh, what the heck are you talking about? What do you mean sin? And you might be like ignorant going, this is just the way life has always been. 
Either way, you're in the same place, in the same need, in the same desperate position as I used to be without Christ, as many of you used to be without Christ. My favorite Christmas song, and we're going to sing this tonight, you guys. I want to talk to you about the lyrics. And I've made the joke that I feel like this song should be sung more than on in December. It's O Holy Night. In the first verse, we're going to sing this together. And in the first verse, about halfway through, I'll just do the whole thing. It starts as it goes, O Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Listen to these words. Long lay the world in sin and error pining, just lying, longing for something. Whether or not you even knew that you're longing for Jesus, whether you knew it or not, the world was, was long laying in sin and error pining till he appeared, till Jesus appeared, and the soul felt its worth. When Jesus appeared at that, at that pool and restored that man's life, he felt like his life had worth at that point. And that worth came only from Christ. A thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. Could you imagine as he walked away how he was rejoicing in his life? For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn, a new life waiting for him. Students, a new life waiting for you. Our desperation is the reason for this season. Father, I thank you so much for special times of the year to remember special moments. Lord, December is one of those. Lord, I pray that you would focus our hearts on our hopelessness without you. And that is how we can get to a place that we are truly worshiping you in truth and in spirit. And we can truly be celebrating the birth of your son. In your son's name we pray, amen. You need to understand that I'm not anti-gifts, I'm not anti-trees, I'm not anti-stockings, like I get it. Parents wanna buy you gifts. I'm a parent. I want to be able to give my children not just good gifts, it was, if it were up to me, I would give them the best gifts. I wanna remind you that what God is offering you is the best gift because he is the best father. Luke chapter two, starting with verse eight, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all people. That included them, that includes you, that includes me. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. 
This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby, a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God. I can't imagine what that would look like. What a great company of angels would look like. They were saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Let's join that company of hosts and sing to the top of our lungs joy for the Savior that's been born. Thanks for joining Element. To find out more, go to thirdcitychristian.org backslash students.